Okay, Gems, this is Topaz here, head of the funding department. What, you never knew that us Gems had a funding department? Anyway, I'm here to also serve as babysitter because we need signatures to go on a trip. You see, last time somebody blew up the science wing, we believe it was Fos, and now we have to get Sensei Kongo's signature on everything so that we can go outside again. To collect money to protect us from the Lunarians. Anyway... While you're out there, make sure the Lunarians don't eat us, and here's some warning tips from Alexandrite. You know, the moon one. It says that Lunarians use strong language that might not be suitable for all audiences, and that listeners' discretion is advised. Now, I know we've been around for forever, but, uh, yeah, we still don't know everything, and, like, Fos is a baby. Second, it says that Lunarians will spoil all of Land of the Lustrous, as well as any other anime, so that listener's discretion is also advised. And if you're curious, you can go ahead and check out all of Land of the Lustres before coming back to listen to this episode. And finally, it says that remember that as you're collecting money so that we can rebuild our science department, that the opinions you express are your own and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Alright, I think that covers everything for today's meeting. Now, if you excuse me... I'm gonna go make sure I don't get grinded into bits. Topaz out. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Rock Talk, a group where a bunch of non-binary gems get on the beach, sing some songs, and fight the aliens that are coming from space to murder us all. My name is Ruby Megan, and with me tonight I have Diamond Amon. Hello. And Garnet Zen. Hello, everybody. Now tonight we are going to be talking about something that's a little bit different from us all. Now, whenever you hear things about non-binary rocks, I know that you're thinking, Wow, I didn't know about these guys talked about Western shows. That's right, guys. Tonight we are finally going to do that Steven Universe episode. But I already covered Steven Universe. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're getting this bit out of the way now. <laughs> yeah, guys, we're finally just doing Land of the Lustrous. I just had to make a Steven Universe joke. <laughs> However, we are still talking about non-binary space rocks. Is it true that fact? have voices of women. With, with so, shapely backsides. Yeah! Yeah, I forgot about that rewatching this show. These rocks have very nice asses. I mean, if you're a booty girl like There's I a... am, I mean, it's it, it was pretty nice. Just just the part where they're all like in the winter sleep and the one's just like face down, ass up, asleep. I was like, you're the one I sleep like, or I'm just bored and I'm going to try to kill you in my sleep. Um, <laughs> so tonight we are going to talk about the Sentai Filmworks release of Land of the Lustrous. Uh, I have, obviously, if you haven't guessed by their voices, I'm on a Zen with me tonight. So, uh, there's a couple things about Land of the Lustrous. One, this is an entirely, basically an entire CGI show by Studio Orange. And why most people hear anime and CGI, they start crying. Please don't. Only cry because the plot of this show is really good. Speaking of which, the plot as of the, as of the back of the Sentai Filmworks release goes as follows. No matter what the odds, life will find a way to continue with Young Fos and the other gems as the ultimate proof. Instead of flesh, their bodies are made up of living crystal, allowing them to survive in a world too toxic for any human. But their gem bodies are also attract a terrible danger, the Lunarians, who hunt the gems and use their shattered forms to fabricate jewelry and ornaments. The gems with the strongest forms defend the other, but Fos is too weak and brittle to fight. 
Instead, Fos is ordered to compile an encyclopedia, but could that research discover a hidden secret that could help the gems? Join Fos, the toxic cinnabar, and the powerful the powerful void, and the valiant diamond, and the other glittering in the world unlike anything you've ever seen before in Land of the Lustrous. So, <laughs> welcome to a world where one gem with a name like a mouthful determines not to break and discovers along the way that changing yourself may not always be for the better. It might be quite depressing. Oh, you bet. Poor foes. <laughs> Poor foes. Eventually one of us is going to say their full name, but we're going I'm going to say foes because I ain't butchering that shit until the very end of this episode. Phosphalito. Phosphalito. Phosphalite. Phosphalite. I don't envy anybody in this show. <laughs> so tonight we are going to be doing a full review of the show, meaning that there are no predictions for the cast. Uh, we will be talking about as much of the cast as we can. This is an incredibly large cast of characters um, that we can unfortunately not talk about all of them due to the fact that many of them speak maybe like a line of dialogue. Uh, also, we don't want to keep you here forever, and a geology lesson that may drive you mentally insane. <laughs> so, we are going to cover as much as we can, starting with the director and writer of this series. Um, also, I do want to point out that for the sake of pronouns, uh, the show uses they, them, for, uh, and I believe that translation goes all the way into the manga, who Amon works at the comic shop, I believe is released by Seven Seas. Is it, is it? No, this might be a Kodansha title, actually. Yeah, I believe I, it's I forget, Kodansha. I, I forget who puts this out. If it's not Kodansha, it's uh, Vertical, which is just Kodansha. So <laughs> it's one or the other. It's just Kodansha, but it's just it, it's Kodansha, but more, it, it used to be a separate company, more, uh, and then Kodansha bought it. So this is Kodansha, but purple. This is this is Kodansha, but pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just because it's true doesn't mean you should say it. <laughs> Might get my ass kicked. Like, so, it is Kodan. It is Kodansha. So, so Kodansha's gonna find this podcast and send the Kodansha Mafia after me, even though I buy a lot of their releases. The Kodansha. They released to your eternity. <laughs> they released to your eternity, which is like the, one of the best manga out right now. So, <laughs> um, so we're gonna start with, uh, like I said, the director and writers of this series. Uh, the director of Land of the Westress's dub is one Mr. Kyle Colby-Jones. The writers of this series are Kyle Colby-Jones pulling double duty, as well as Marta Bechtel. Kyle Colby-Jones, you will know, is the director for seri for many of Sentai's series, uh, but just to give a couple of examples would be Devil's Line, Parasite the Maximum, and Haikyuu, uh, all three seasons of it. Uh, Kyle Colby-Jones has also written for series such as Haven't You Heard on Sakamoto, Amnesia, and Akame Got Kill. And Marta Bechdahl has written for series such as Surinay, Devil's Line, and Squid Girl. Uh, now we're going to put an order together for tonight. So we're going to start off with Zenith, then Amon, and finish up with myself. So Zenith, if you would like to take away your thoughts on Kyle's directing and Kyle and Marta's writing. Um, remind me again, Kyle Colby Jones did Food Wars, correct? Uh, yes, he did direct Food Wars. Ah, okay. So yeah, um, he directed Food Wars, and I really like that, and... To be honest, I think what he does really well is um, stick to the spirit of the original sub. Um, for those who don't know, I watched the original sub before watching the dub, and I didn't see any major differences. I didn't see anything that really stood out, uh, nothing that really 
detracted from the experience, but uh, he, he does a good job of directing them to make a very similar show, and honestly, I think he did a great job. Awesome. Do you have any uh, same feelings about the, write the writing team as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't notice anything that stood out to me. Like, not, not, not that stood out to me as bad, like a really um, glaring change, but uh, it, it to me, it did its job of staying true to the original sub and true to what uh, the feel of the original was. So, honestly, it's like watching the same show. I loved awesome. it. Awesome. Uh, Amon, your thoughts? Uh, I enjoy I enjoyed this stuff a lot. Um, I thought the like the direction casting I thought was very well. Obviously, there's there's a lot of characters in this show um, to varying degrees of line length and importance and so on. Um, but I thought it was very well filled out. I thought that uh, they did a good job of making the characters sound distinct from each other. Like I never I never I never had that feeling of like if I looked away from the screen where I couldn't figure out who was on screen having a conversation. Um, I thought I thought everyone sounded very well. I thought the writing was uh, it sounded like very natural, very strong. I didn't watch it in the subtitle prior to doing this, so I can't do a direct comparison. But uh, I thought it like it sounded very good. Uh, there were there were jokes which I appreciate, um, and I thought they uh, they both did a good job of um, just balancing out a very large cast, and also just that illustrious goes through a lot. Like it it starts off pretty light and then goes some places after a while <laughs> and uh and i am I'm, I'm i'm always impressed by directors and writers who can achieve that uh shift in tone but still make the show feel consistent and i thought they did that very well uh as well if i if i have a complaint and, and put, put really big air quotes around complaint uh it's that this reminds me of other like good doves with big casts like um star blazers 2199 where like uh, often, if I have a hard part, it's that a lot of the a lot of the direction and performances are like good, but in a very kind of like even way, where it's sometimes hard to pick out a standout. Not so much with this show because this is a main character; it's not just an ensemble cast. Um, but there's a lot of like performances that are very good, but I can't necessarily articulate why beyond like oh, this is a good performance. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I was very happy with it. I think this is a Pardon the pun, because they're made of gemstones. <laughs> this is a very solid dub. <laughs> is it rock solid? There are some cracks in it, just like Fos's legs. And body. <laughs> and face. And everything. Um, <laughs> poor, being Fosfolite is suffering. Just, just Fos laying on the beach with Cinnabar, frickin' End of Evangelion style. And Ark's head in the water. Um, uh, so I I think that Zen and Zen that you really nailed it. Where this kept to a lot of the spirit of the sub. This is not a dub that detract that a lot of people who are super purists can go and say like this is a bad dub. It's like it's not. It keeps the spirit of a show that has a lot going on underneath its surface there and does it very respectfully and does it very beautifully. I think the writing that Marta did on the show and Kyle did on the show was great. Cat, I swear to God, what the hell are you doing in this room? Um, <laughs> once again, Shinya decides that she needs to be a part of an episode. Um, they. I'm a cat. I have to be here. Love me, mommy. Knock, knock, Fose off the table and break her. Thank God, there's no cats in this world. <laughs> Thank oh. God, the gem half them gems would be fucked. Um, 
<laughs> just dogs. <laughs> one dog. One that turns into a lot of little dogs. Okay. <laughs> Not to be confused with the watermelon Stevens. Um But the the real thing for me is that um with an ensemble cast, and especially uh this one, like Amon kinda of brought it up with like with a Yamato Yamato that like sometimes you're like, who the fuck is in this show? No, really, like, I could not name half of the actresses that were in the show, and that's not a bad thing. Some of them are... There are a couple of actresses where you can tell that they are very new to voice acting. Like, when I looked up the credits for at least two of the actresses that we're talking about tonight, they had no other credits to their name at Mm -hmm. all. Um, There's one performance that I am just, like... I I think it's really good. I just completely couldn't get into it. And for me, it's just like, this is a really, really good dub that I have, like, minor nitpicks with. And the biggest thing that I think kind of really got me about this was that um, this and another show that Sentai had picked up uh, that were considered the two of the best in the year that this came out, which I believe is 2017, uh, both had dubs released Uh relatively, like, within a couple months apart from each other. That be the other one being Maiden Abyss. And I love that. I think the Maiden Abyss Mm. dub is, like, phenomenal. And I think that my expectations going into this, after hearing how good Made Abyss's dub was, might have hampered my own enjoyment of this. Like, and no, everyone's probably like, why don't you think this is the best thing ever? It's like, no, it's really, really good. And I, like, definitely encourage people, if you've never watched the show, to watch it and watch the dub, because it's, it's a really good dub. It's just, like, a dub that's like, yeah, this is really good and really enjoyable to listen to. Didn't blow my socks off. But it also wasn't god-awful and, like, made me want to change back to the sub. There's just, like, one performance that I just could not get into and I just don't know why. Yeah, like, it's one of those, like, it doesn't, you know, blow my legs off. It doesn't, it, it, it wasn't in my top ten, but it does enough good that I'm just like, you know, I could listen to it no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, like, I would easily, like, if I wanted to show this to somebody who does not watch subtitles or like maybe who watches uh stuff casually i could put this on and this dub would be really good for like that it's not like it and it, for me actually it helped me understand a lot more of the story because it was also in a mm. language that i understood and did not have to like like wait a second what they just said rewind catch the subtitles is like because there are some scenes where they're like four five six seven gems talking it's like oh my god who the fuck is who um, I will say my one other nitpick is that because all of these characters are ageless, sentient rocks that do have different ages, but they all have, like, the relatively, like, the same body and, like, look in their ages, I do think some of the ages are a little bit hard to tell because the vocal work is so inconsistent, and I don't know if it's just because, like, they were trying to get more of the personality across as opposed to the age, but, again, that's just, like, a minor nitpick for me, uh... Otherwise, this is, like, really, really good work from everybody involved. Mm-hmm. All right. So mm-hmm. the first section we're going to do is some of the other gems that live on this island at the school with Fos and the gang. This sec- These sections are probably going to be super, super quick. Um, <laughs> so the first set of gems we have is Alexandrite, who can be described as uh, Moon Otaku. She likes Lunarians and researches them. There is Zykron, a younger, a gem the same age as Phos, 
who uh, is trying to become stronger and get over her past selfish self. Uh, and then we have Morga and Goshenite, who are two of the first gems that you see in the show and are initially kind of the first two that are around Fos as they start their encyclopediatic journey. Playing Alexandrite, we have Shelby Blocker. Playing Zykron, we have Brittany Karbowski. Playing Morga, we have Olivia Swayze. And playing Goshenite, we have Juliet Simmons. So, uh, Shelby Blocker, you'll know as characters such as uh, Anya in Is this is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? Uh, Hitomi Minagawa in Camper. And Lazolet uh, Sherlock in Trinity 7. Brittany Karbowski, you'll know as characters such as Karen Ijo in Review Starlight. Rin Natsume in Little Busters and Shizuru Yukimura in Hakuoki. Uh, Olivia Swayze will know his characters such as Maya Tendo in Review Starlight, Kat- Katrina Toby in Release the Splice, and uh, Momoga in Girls und Panzer. And Juliet Simmons you'll know as Nini Arisufa in Anonymous Noise, Tanaka in Haven't You Heard I'm Sakanodo, and Yuri in Girls Last Tour. So, Zenith, if you want to kick us off with the segment of Gems. Um, I think they all did a pretty good job, uh, for the most part. Uh, Morga and Ghosh, they don't really do too much aside from being background, um, and I think they're they're pretty good in their roles. And Alex and Zircon, they, they show up at random times. Um, overall, I thought their voices suited them. Uh, nothing really stood out, but they, they were all very suited for their roles. Alright, and Alma? Yeah, no, these are these are a fine set of performances. Um, I kind of agree most of them, uh, in, uh, in part just because like these are some of the characters who show up a little less often. They don't stand out quite as much, uh, but they're they're like they're good solid performances. Um, I particularly liked uh, the parts that Zircon was having towards the end, where uh, they've been like partnering up with Bort, and they're very concerned about that. And Boss is like, "You're you're overthinking this. Just Bort, Bort, if you're fucking up, Bort will let you know. Don't worry about it so much." Um, I thought that was a nice bit, and um, I enjoyed I enjoyed Shelby as Alexandrite a lot, just because Alexandrite's a big nerd, mm-hmm. and I'm also a big nerd, so I I'm about a thing that no one else they know cares about. So I feel that it's hard being a fandom of one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I enjoyed Shelby's performance a lot. I thought she was very good there too. So yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, Shelby is the one person who, despite being in a lot of things, I actually learned when I went to their A and N page. Uh, I don't think I'd ever actually watched the show that she had been in it since until this point, <laughs> which can define a lot of people in the show. Um, I, I have that problem every time I watch a Sentai show. It's like you really get a lot of work. I just don't watch your dubbing studio very often. Or I'm particularly, sorry. I don't watch this type of show that you're in because it's not the type of show appeals to me. Um, yeah, exactly. And I feel bad because it's like I actually liked all of these. Uh, Shelby, I would say, kind of threw me for a loop a little tiny bit. Because, again, I'm not used to her her voice and her work. So at points I thought she was, I was like, are, are, are you just, like, a little too zany? And then I remembered, oh, wait, Lexi's a, a fucknut. Um, She's crazy. One of my favorite, like, lines in the show at one point is, um, she eventually, Lexi, when she sees a Lunari and her head, her hair, their hair goes red and they kind of, like, go Super Saiyan for a moment. And uh, they, they help take out all the giant uh, Lunarian dog Chiro. And just Bort comes in and goes, oh, it's Red Lexi. And Lexi's just kind of like on the ground, like face down, butt up again. Um, and just the <laughs> moment, I think also too, is uh, that really kind of sold me on her perform on uh, Shelby's performance as Alexandra is uh, Fos and her doing the uh, 
the studying. And Fos eventually turns the table on Lexi, and Lexi's, like, laying down on the table going, it was this, like, very scientifically named Lunarian, and and Shelby got it off talking about that and using this very, like, made-up scientific term without it making coming off really stiff. Uh, Brittany Karbowski's uh, Zykron was adorable, uh, very youthful, uh, contrasted really well with the Fos that we see at the uh, towards the end of the show after, like, a bunch of shit has happened to Fos. Um, and then Morga and Ghost Knight are both uh, really well suited to the to their roles. They don't sound out of place. They don't try to overpower uh, their port in the ensemble. I think Juliet and Olivia bring a lot of uh, fun to them because especially uh, Ghost Knight is, I think, kind of the more sassy one. Uh, who, she is sassy. She's, she's bitch. kind of the more sassy bitch of them, who's like giving <laughs> folks more shit than anybody towards the beginning of the show. Um, and then they kind of fade off into the background as things go. So, mm-hmm. uh, this group, that uh, group two is kind of more of the background gems that are there. Obviously, uh, once we kind of get, like, after this point on, there's where we're going to start really getting into the meat of the characters that really uh, exist in this. and Or at least, like, super affect the plot. So we have Jade, who essentially is Sensei's secretary. the One of the hardest gems that's there, and is usually poor Rulite's bitch stick, too. Um... Poor being being Jade is also suffering. Uh, we have Eulocles, who is kind of the one that goes half half blue, half gray. Who is the only way I can describe them is as Jade's boy, Jade's girlfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're also the gem that gets like this one really really long sequence of them being like half naked at one point too, <laughs> and I was I was like, wow, they are just lingering on Eulocles being buck ass naked in this show. Yellow Diamond, <laughs> Grandma. Um, Yellow Diamond is super, is uh, Sonic the Gem Gen Grandma. She's one of the oldest gems that is there. They're one of the oldest gems that is there. Is Zykron's partner. They go fast. They gotta go fast. And then, talking about two <laughs> characters played by the same person, there are the Amethyst Twins, 84 and 33. They do the creepy twin thing and smack their heads against each other because it won't crack. <laughs> So, playing Jade is Heidi Hinkle, playing Eulocles is Serena Verdes, playing Yellow Diamond is Allison Sumerall, and playing the Amethyst Twins is Teresa Zimmerman. Uh, Heidi Hinkle is characters such as Minami Kita in Dareku, Yukihime in Yuki Holder, and Miranda in Mysterious Friends. Serena Verdes is Yunyun in Kanon, Rebecca in Kiba, and Rosetta Passel in Kaleidostar. Allison Sumerall, you'll know as characters such as Kagura in Azamangadaya. Azumaga Dayo, Saya in Tanaka-kun, and this is a, f- a fucking name that I found. Uh, ch- <laughs> Thank you, Tamako Market. Choi Mochi Mazawi in Tamako Market, and for Teresa, that's that's an actual name. That is that a is name. up there with my favorite discovery of Andy W. Hole. Andy W. Hole goes down as my favorite anime name. Um. And Teresa Zimmerman has no other known roles up until Land of the Lustrous. So this is their first time. So, Zen, if you would like to start us off talking about these gems. Um, I think the standout performance of this group for me was Jade. I think uh, she did a, a really good job standing out from the rest of the group. She was all, I mean, granted, she uh, is always being smacked around by Rutile, so she does get a lot more to do. 
Um, but like, I really like the the uh, t- the intonality that she has. She definitely has this scientific air about her, um, and uh, for the most part, I like. I, I really did enjoy her performance. Yellow Diamond and Euclase um, uh, were not as much an entity for me. I think they did gr- good performance-wise, but they didn't do too much for me. Um, and the Amethyst Twins I liked because they did the the creepy cold twin thing, and I think uh, they did a fantastic job at doing that. Awesome, Amon. Yeah, these are also very like very solid performances. Um, Jaden Euclid, I liked, uh, although I I had finished the show a while ago and rewatched a few episodes, kind of refreshing tonight by happenstance. Uh, they did not, none of them had particularly big roles in the episodes I did rewatch, but uh, my recollection is like good, strong performances. Liked them. Uh, I thought the Amethyst twins were a lot of fun. I thought Teresa did a really good job of playing off herself like that, um, mm-hmm. and uh, just that like her 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 dynamic with herself was really well done, which I know is often kind of tricky. So. Come play with us, foes, forever <laughs> and ever and ever. Oh God! It's the it's the, it's the it's the it's the shining land of the lustrous crossover that no one wanted. Um, it's the Halloween art and, this year. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh no. Um, and uh, I also enjoyed Yellow Diamond. Uh, in, she gave a good, strong performance, and I think in the I think this is her in the last episode. She is talking with Rutil, who um. She, had the, she missed an opportunity to talk to another gen who's not awake very often for reasons. And uh, Rutil's kind of like messing with her a little bit, so they have a few shots of um, her chasing Rutil while yelling, Rutil! And I thought, these are good, good cartoony yells. These are very on point. Good job. <laughs> a plus. Would, would, would def- could definitely hear in a Western cartoon and would not think anything of it. A plus. Wood gem again. Wood gem again. <laughs> grandma, grandma Yellow Diamond. Uh. Exactly. I think that's like that's another really good moment. Oh, are you being senile over here, Rutile? <laughs> like Rutile just like books it, and like here's the other thing. Like everybody else like wears flats most of the series. Rutile is like almost always in heels. Um, Rutile is a little too extra for flats. Rutile. If you ask our friend uh, on Twitter, Nine Claw Tiger, about Rutile, he would gush about Rutile all day because I believe Rutile is his favorite character. <laughs> uh, so I want to start off with Teresa actually because again, like I mentioned, uh, when I went to go check on ANN for other roles that she had done, I didn't find any. Um, so I was really impressed that she felt so natural uh, playing double duty of these creepy twins because a lot of shows when there are twins, even if they are identical, hi Oron, um, they get two different actors <laughs> to play them. In this case, they they went with the same actress. And I believe they also did that in Japan, too. So they probably just kept the casting consistent uh, across languages. I thought she did a really good job. Um, I definitely would like to see Teresa get to get more work at Sentai. I thought she had a really good foundation in this. Uh, Heidi mm-hmm. as Jade. <laughs> Heidi was probably one of my favorite like secondary cast performances. <laughs> I love Heidi as Jade. Jade is like overworked, underpaid, the character. Um, mm-hmm. gets, gets she, she is like sleep the person like overworked personify. <laughs> I uh, she's always tired. <laughs> I know. It's like uh, when uh, I think it's like episode two or three or something where Rutil just comes out with the hammer and like and like hits them with it and they're like ah and they let out this like scream. And it's like why are you doing this to me? And Rutil's like science, bitch. Um, <laughs> 
Ruti I I cannot wait to talk I love I fucking love Rutiel. Um, I love Rutiel's performance too. Like, let oh, me get oh, out uh, my scissors. Snip, snip, snip. Let me dissect you. It's like one of my favorite things. Let me just dissect you, please. Um and J also be Jade's usually the one that has to wake up Sensei when Sensei falls asleep and if you've never seen this show, when Sensei falls asleep, like, he smacks his head into, like, full-on stone and shatters it. And they also have to be like, everybody, Sensei's about to yell, hit the deck! Run! <laughs> so it's like, they have kind of, like, the overworked, underpaid slash mom persona in their voice. Um, Eulicles, Eulicles I like, but I would say, uh, they're, uh... Shanae, uh, Serena is a little bit on the weaker side for me. I don't think it's a bad performance. I just do, however, feel like it's a little bit weaker than some of the rest of the gems. Uh, Alice and Sumerol's Yellow Diamond is either hit or miss with me. I think it's a good performance, but there are some times where it's like, you sound like a little old lady, but your body and face does not have that. And that's what I mean about, like, character, like, because there's ages determined, but not by the way their bodies look. That is how they had to get that persona out. And I do think that that was a good way to get it out. It's just kind of the whole, like, you look like a 12-year-old with a big butt. There's a weird inherent uncanny valleyness to a lot of this show, which is on purpose. <laughs> yes. But that doesn't mean it's easy to get over. <laughs> yes. It's on purpose, not easy to get over, but I think Allison does a really good job and especially bringing out a care even though yellow diamond has very small amount of dialogue compared to other characters in the show uh yellow diamond has a very interesting arc that they're going through where it's like i don't want to lose um this younger gem that i'm partnered with i'm one of the oldest gems my best friend uh basically the only other person as old as i am is basically in an eternal sleep and I'm watching a, my young generation go over to a partner. And I think Allison really does deliver this really beautiful line of, uh, you need to go with Bort. Bort's never lost a partner. So it's mm. like, even if you go out there and fight the Lunarians, you're not, Bort's not going to let you die. And become like mm. a pair of earrings or some shit. <laughs> Zykron earrings from this island we found. Um... It's implied that this world is Earth, and we're going to get to that, actually, in our next segment, if we're good to move mm -hmm. on. Which, let's talk about the jellyfish people. Oh, yes. <laughs> to which... Oh, yes. I'm so sorry. I'm going to butcher these names. There is Vent Ventricus and Alcelaeus. Ventricus is the one that you kind of get to see the most of. They are... They are the king of this this race of people. Uh, and just to kind of go into this, if I'm assuming that if you're watching this, you've actually seen the show. Uh, basically, Fos goes off. Fos gets attacked by them when the Lunarians drop uh, the ki the king's shell onto uh, the gems. They eventually get Fos out. It turns into this adorable little slug creature that really, really wants to date their sensei. <laughs> just, I love that. What is the slug saying? Hook me up with that hunk! It says it would like to serve you for the rest of its life. <laughs> but eventually it tricks Fos into going out to the sea, which is their home. And along the way it reveals that once upon a time this land was inhabited by a uh, group of creatures called human. Who eventually went back to the sea and split up into three pieces. The flesh, the, blo uh, the, flesh, the bone, and the soul. 
the jellyfish people are the flesh, the bones are the gems, and the soul are the Lunarians. Eventually, it turns out that the king was actually just tricking Fos and luring it out there so that the Lunarians would bring back their brother, who and is a giant tentacle monster. <laughs> that, like, has... Etch. That kind of has bondage skin. I mean, if you're a giant tentacle monster, it really comes with the territory. Also, be the... At one point, King Jellyfish does a part where it's like... Fos talks about boobs at one point. <laughs> Credit to the writing team. I forgot about that Credit part. Credit to the writing team, the adaptive writing team. It's like, this is my pieces, and these are my most important parts. And they just, like, <laughs> jiggle their jugs. <laughs> Which is why I, I, I lovingly refer to this character as King Jelly Tits. Um, because I can't say their actual name. Also, I would 100, since I felt Merch is listening, I would 100% buy a plushie of the jellyfish as the slug thing. Like, I would buy that as a stuffed animal. Yeah, I'd do that Just too. adorable. So, playing uh, Venturicus is Lucy Christian, and playing Absolaeus is Maggie Flecknow. Lucy Christian, you know, has characters such as Risa Harada in Dean Angel, Duck in Princess Tutu, and Toko Nanami in Bloom Into You. Uh, Maggie Flecknoway, you'll know as Yui Komori in the Diabolic Glover series, Mariella in Logged Horizon, and Mahiro Suzaki in Review Starlight. So Zen, if you don't mind starting us off talking about the flesh. Um, well, first of all, I have to say Lucy Christian is perfectly <laughs> cast. I love, love, love her in that role. And I'm not just saying that because I was a huge fan of Bloom Into You, and, you know, she does a great job in a lot of roles, but... The fact that she changes her voice so well between, like, the slug creature and when she actually turns into the king jellyfish. And both of her performances are just wonderful. I loved it. Um, I did have kind of a slight problem with Maggie Flecknow. Not because it's bad voice acting. I think it's good voice acting. But it just does not match the character. Um, and they keep referring to, uh, uh, the brother as the brother... And he has, like, this deep womanly voice, and I don't know, like, for some reason it works for, uh, the King Jelly Tits, but it doesn't work for him for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Amon? Um, hard to start. I, I'm, I'm gonna agree, Lucy is great. Um, uh, there were, there were, there were two moments in this series where, like, my opinion of the show, uh, just rose overall. And the first one was, like, the two episodes, like, the couple episodes where Fos is hanging around with uh, Ventricos, and Lucy is a big part of that. Like, um, she is just a delight playing this character. She is having so much fun playing this weird little sea slug who has the hots for their boss. <laughs> and... He's such a hunk. <laughs> I want to, please let me date him. <laughs> And also, this is this is an this is an important example of why you should always stay on good terms with your translator if no one can understand <laughs> you. Uh, if you piss them off, they will they will do you dirty. Um, <laughs> Lu Lucy Lucy is just a blast, and I, I agree that I thought um, she did a wonderful job of like adjusting her voice once uh, Ventricro stops being a slug and starts being a mer person slug jellyfish person jelly jelly yeah jelly uh, exactly. <laughs> Once they're, once they're, like, a person. Um, and it's just throughout, like, her, her dynamic with, um, 
with Foss's actress was just really, like, on point and exceptionally solid. Like, because there, there's a good chunk of those episodes that are just the two of them talking to each other while they, like, walk on the sea bottom or whatever. Uh, and, like, I was never bored or disinterested. It was always incredibly well done. Um, I have a little less to say about uh, uh, Maggie as uh, Aculatus. Uh, just because um, that that character doesn't show up on screen as much, but I, I, I did like her performance as well. I thought I, I thought it did suit the design of the character, although um, part of that's the, like Aquilides has this sort of weird, not sort of androgynous, but just like gender ambiguous look to them. And I thought Maggie picked a voice that f- meshed with that very well for the time they're on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right, so I'm gonna start with uh, Maggie as bondage fish um i can't say their name i'm sorry just it's it look it's latin latin is a bondage fish um bondage fish i was actually really surprised that that was that was her because i am look i have watched a lot of really shitty otome animes that suntai has put out (laughs) and she's like the lead in a majority of them and they are always very like oh no Wispy kind of voices as, like, various male voice-acted characters pin her to wall, <laughs> bite her, roofies her. <laughs> anime oh, was boy. a mistake. Um, <laughs> anime was a fucking mistake. Um, so I actually was super surprised when I when I went on ANN and saw that was Becky fucked away. I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't compute. So um, I don't know how about much it, it matches the character... Because I don't remember this character from the Japanese that well, but I think everybody in this show, besides Sensei, is played by a woman regardless of language. Or at least somebody who identifies mm-hmm. female. So, I thought they were they were they were good. Don't know about how much it fit there. I could definitely one of the things I could definitely get from that was the resentment and the anger that they had in their voice for being mm-hmm. entrapped on the moon and, you know, like being stabbed with fire a lot, because that's uncomfortable. Um, but man, I want to preference this that originally when I found out that Lucy Christian was going to be King Jelly Tits that I was slightly disappointed because I really, in my heart of hearts, really wanted that to be Monica Rial for one reason and one reason only, because in Japan, that character is played by the same woman who plays Yona from Yona of the Dawn. And it blew my goddamn mind when I found that out when I was watching it in Japanese. (laughs) So that being said, I absolutely loved it and when I when I sat back and I really thought about the performance I think that Lucy gets a lot done in the uh, short amount of time that she's on screen um what is, she's in like what two episodes yeah, well three and one of them is mostly squeaking most of them <laughs> is like just squeaking when Diamond's carrying this little thing around in a basket I love I love how in the credits they, they list it as like slug thingy before they yeah, give it the name. It's like slimy slug thingy, Lucy Christian. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> uh, but it was really weird the, when when they were the tiny slug. My original thought was, oh my god, the slug sounds like the SpongeBob Pinky's out voice. It's like Pinky out, Pinky. You gotta be Pinky. You gotta be classy. Because it's like. You don't know it yet, but this thing is, like, the king of the sea people. So, therefore, it thinks it is hot shit. And it's talking to Fos. Lucy is talking to Fos as if Lucy is hot shit the king. 
And Fos is like not having any of this. And Lucy's <laughs> got to get that off. But the second they go into the water, now you have a character design that is very feminine, very like like overly hyperly feminine, like to the point where the show itself makes a joke about you have boobs now. You have bouncy things on your chest that I don't know what those are. Trust us, folks. Neither do most men. Um. <laughs> um. But the way that Lucy delivers a lot of exposition in that sea walking scene is beautifully done. It never comes off as stiff. It never comes off as forced. And it comes off like listening to someone tell you, telling you a very uh, confusing yet uh, enticing fairy tale. In that way that mm-hmm. she gets to pull across the regality of uh, this character while also dealing with the bitterness that is in uh, Ventiacus's heart. Because their, their people have been kidnapped by the Lunarians are used and abused on the moon. They've escaped. They want their family back. And they have to hide this all from Fos. But yet, as um, they go down and they take the stuff to give Fos the alloy for their legs, um, I just, I got behind it. Like, it is probably one of my favorite performances in the show. Um, mm-hmm. I would definitely want to hear Lucy play another character like this again. I also really like how she conveys a lot of the double meanings near the end of her speech because she's going to betray her and she she says it without really revealing it. it she does a great job. Oh yeah, like you can like you can definitely tell that she worked with the subtlety of the script really well. So and I'm actually like super mad because I have the, the really nice release that Sentai did for this series and she's going to a con and I can't get her to fucking sign this. No. It's plastic. <laughs> it's plastic and it'll wipe right off. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, Could you get her to sign the disc? Uh, I don't want to ruin... I don't want to have the disc... Yeah, I guess, I guess that means you can't watch the DVD anymore. Well, you can't. Can. Yeah, well, you can. Yeah. It'd just be really weird. As long as you don't get her to sign the back. Yeah. Probably get her to sign the back. Um, right. So, if we're good to move on, we're going to move on to the next group of characters who essentially are... Two really big influences on Fos, despite the uh, small amount of time that they are on screen, and arguably the actual best character in the series. <laughs> At least in my mind. So, there is... God, another fucking mouthful of a name. Papar- Paparacha. 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 Mamma mia. Um... <laughs> Paparacha is a one of the oldest gems that is there. However, their body was born with holes in it, meaning that they have to have those holes filled by other materials. And as the years go on, the amount of time they stay awake is lesser and lesser. Next. Insert crass sex joke here. They walk around like tits out. So, um. Then there's Antarcticite. Antarctica is a gem that is liquid when it is hot. However, with the cold temperatures, they are able to form a solid crystal. They are as brittle as foses, yet because of the weather, they can stay hard. They're the only gem that stays awake. <laughs> Giggity. I walked right into that. <laughs> However, they usually take care of the winter. However, this year in, in the show, Fos is unable to sleep, so they start working with Fos. 
However, when Fos loses their arms to the ice flow and they have to replace it, this eventually spells the end for Antarctica and they are uh, taken by the Lunarians and enact probably the, the biggest change onto Fos as a character. Then there's Rulite, the actual best character in the show. Um, fight me. Uh, <laughs> Rulite is the, is the uh, gem's doctor who is basically like, the doctor, like the doctor character on the show, uh, who Fos lovingly refers to as the quack, but they, uh, the biggest thing that they, that to me that really stood out is that they, they are the one who puts, uh, Paparacha back together, uh, or tries to keep putting Paparacha back together, uh, because basically, and they have a great line, which is, um, if I can't fix you, what type of doctor would I be anyway? So playing Paparacha is Christina Kelly, playing Antarctite is Alyssa Merrick. And playing Rulite is Shelley Colleen Black. Christina Kelly, you'll know as characters such as Akane, Kawata, and Flying Wish, Alice Nikiri in Food Wars, and now Hirayama and Takunomi. Uh, Alyssa Merrick, this is the only known role as of ANN that they have done. And Rulite, uh, Shelley Colleen Black, you'll know as characters such as Canon and Canon, Hyoko in Gilgamesh, and Liza in Maiden Abyss. So, Zen, if you would like to start us off on this segment. Um, okay, let's start off with the character who I love the most. Rutil is amazing. I love, love, love Rutil. That just, it, it reminds me a lot of that character from Bakano who, de- you know, deals with the uh, bloody messes at the end of the show. She's just, she's funny. She loves dissecting things, but she's very scientific. And she has some of the funniest scenes. But when she, uh, you know, shows that she's putting paparaccia back together she has some of the most heartfelt scenes i really love that i love the voice acting there um antarctica i thought was a little bit different than the sub because in the sub he was more personified as as cold here he was more uh, well she i should say or they they're more bratty uh more reserved um i think it worked but it was a little bit different and I, I also really like Paparacha. I think did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. These are these are these are these are three absolutely great performances. Um, where to start? For um, let's see, uh, Christina Kelly is really good as um, Par- Paparacha. Uh, just you can everything about that character uh, just sort of indicates like I'm asleep because if I weren't asleep I'd be too badass for the rest <laughs> of this show. Uh, just didn't like her uh, their design, the way their their body language is when they're up and walking around. And I thought uh, Christina just did a wonderful job of just projecting that even in old because you know, she's they're probably only in the show for like not even half an episode, it's like maybe ten minutes at most. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But I like I thought Christina did such a great job of being able to project all of that in such a short amount of time. Uh, it was just like you know, it's very it's a very done in one performance, but it was uh, at like absolutely top tier the entire time. Um, what else? Uh, also, like Rutil's great. I agree. Like I I love me a mad scientist character, and Rutil is nothing if not a mad scientist character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, snip, and- snip, snip. And she- Shelly is just a blast. She is, uh, she she is she is wacky and out there as befitting that character. But she is good at not going too over the top. She knows where to like hold it, you know, not 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 go too far, not be too too goofy. 
uh, oh, you know, keep it at just the right level of, ma of mania, and also be able to pivot that when you know she uh, they're talking about you know you know this 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 literally centuries long project of trying to fix their friend who was born uh, missing essential parts of themselves and try to figure out how to make that work and the clear like just sort of tragedy she feels and the fact that it is she's been working on this for hundreds of years and they still haven't figured out what to do yet uh and just being able to capture that emotional range of this character so well uh you know just uh shelly's just like a delight and is so good at doing that and i was just i was impressed uh they, they are a if, if when season two comes out i hope we get even more performances by shelly from this character uh because um she's clearly has a lot of fun playing it and then there's Aunt Darkdesite, who might be my favorite character in the show. I don't know. I definitely know she's the center. Uh, they're the center of like my favorite two episodes, which are the ones where they they and Foss are running around doing winter stuff uh, until it all goes horribly, tragically wrong. And uh, I thought, hold on, sorry, I've lost my. Note. I thought uh, Alyssa did just was just really excellent. At playing that character, on um, again, this is a character who is not in the show for that long. They are there for the better part of two episodes, and then they get shattered and taken away. Uh, and I thought Alyssa just did a great job of showing what this character's deal is, what their relationship is with Sensei, and also these other people who they know of but don't really interact with at all. And then having to deal with like, all right, I have a partner. Which I've never had before, and how do I? How am I going to make that work? Uh, and just the way that um, their and Foss's relationship builds until uh, I just like the, the the bit at the end where like Foss is stuck in the gold cube and uh, and Dark decides trying to pull her pull him out, and eventually like breaks themselves because they're so fragile at that point. It was like, yeah, this is oh. Mm -hmm. This is this is this is when the show got really sad for me initially. Just like, yeah, this is this is this is heart. Yeah, this 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 is like the first big moment of heartbreak for me. To be followed Welcome by to crying the anime. Exactly. To be to be followed by many other moments of heartbreak because the show once you hit about like episode eight or nine, it kind of it kind of doesn't start letting up at all. It's just like, nope. This is... Nope. You had you had you had fun when she when uh, Foss was trying to like find bugs or whatever. Yep. We're not, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> Shit got real. No so. more bugs. Only suffering. No, only suffering. <laughs> um, and I and um, you, you, yeah, Alyssa, you said you couldn't find any other no, credits I could not. for. No, and I, I know I know often that doesn't necessarily mean they have no prior acting experience because obviously um, like a lot of the Texas pools are drawn from like stage acting and stuff like that. Uh, but I was super impressed by this. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing Alyssa more stuff in the future, hopefully, because I thought she was very good at this, and I'd like to hear her again and other things yeah definitely i would i'll get to a, i'll i guess i'll go with Alyssa first is that uh when i was coming in to to watch uh the dub i know that some other people uh on servers that i was on had watched it and they were in two camps about antarctica it was they either thought it was mm -hmm. not that great or really really great and i'm kind of somewhere in the middle with them i think when they do the more dramatic stuff, that's where they shine the most. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm However, there are points where Antarcticite has to kind of do, like, a lot more, like, expositional stuff. Like, hey, it's like, hey, this is very clearly, like, the time to 
we're building this up before we get to the drama, and I did feel like Alyssa was a little bit stiff there, or a little bit not used to voice acting. Uh, obviously, like you said, I'm on a lot of these. A lot of people do stage acting. They are they are actors who act and do, and probably still do stage act when they're not voice acting. Uh, <laughs> that being said, I would really like to see Alyssa do, like I said with Teresa, come and do more shows. I think they put out their best foot forward on. Antarctica. And Antarctica is also one of my other favorite characters in the show. I think that for the two episodes that they are on, that, like, I did this in, like, four episode batches after work the last two nights. And as of the mm-hmm. day of this recording, I shouldn't have stayed up as late as I did last night because I got up super early to watch the new Pokemon Direct. <laughs> my body hates me right now. Mm-hmm. Wolu, Wolu is my child. Um... But I think that they, they did do a good job. I do definitely agree with Zen, but this is a lot of a different take. This is a take of somebody who that is a bit more bratty and more of a loner being mm. like, why am I being put with somebody as opposed to being outright just cold and cut off from the rest of their kind. Uh, moving on to Paparacha. Man, Christina Kelly just like steals the show for like the 10 minutes of talking she does. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm here. What up, bitches? Tits out. <laughs> um, I I loved Christina Kelly as Papadacha. I I am very sad because I was like, I feel really bad that we're moving this character into this section because they literally only talk for ten minutes. But they are they they do a lot in that ten minutes. They are. There is something in Christina Kelly's performance that feels very cunning, and very like, hey, foes, don't. Don't open up. Don't open up the wounds that you don't want to do. But you should totally open up those wounds. You should totally ask Sensei things that you shouldn't be asking Sensei about. <laughs> it's like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, folks. Honestly, if I had to say, Paparazzi is one of my favorite characters. She doesn't. She isn't around for very much, but she's so important. And her design is bitchin'. <laughs> It's, it's like it's like like I was saying. If they were there more often, they would. It would the show would just be about them. It'd be about paparazzi uh, beating up lunarians. Pop the land. Looking and looking good. Land doing of the paparazzis. Yeah, exactly. Look, look, they're voiced by Romy Park. Yeah, I was gonna be like, that's like, Romy Park's character. Like, it's like it, like it, like it, 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 They they had they had to to use stupid video game language. They had to nerf her a little bit, or else she would just take over the entire show. It's true. In this case, nerfing is centuries-long comas, but what you gonna do? Just, just, hey, hey guys. <laughs> also, B, they just let her sleep in a box. <laughs> just brew light every so often, oh. just rolls the box out. Hey, babe. Slice. Return hey. to sender. <laughs> I keep my girlfriend in a box. <laughs> Let's be frank, Rutil would keep her girlfriend in a box. I mean, she has lots of holes to use. That she does! And Rutile's <laughs> got the tools to work them. <laughs> oh, we're all going to hell. Ah, beep beep. Just. Yep, I love I loved Christina Kelly as. as I'm like, damn, why are. Fuck, man, Christina Kelly needs to be in the show more. I just love her voice as. Pap- Paparacha sounds like. Paparacha also sounds like really attractive, too, so. <laughs> Like, hell yeah! And then, man, I love Shelly Colleen Black. 
I love Shelly Queen Black in most things I've watched her in in the last year. She is just so good as Rutile. Like, Rutile is probably my favorite. She is probably my favorite performance in this show. Um, she is. <laughs> she is. She's funny when she needs to. She's serious when she needs to. Just, like, when Fos calls them a quack and they're like, mm hmm. And just the whole, like, oh, so the senile people are getting together and talking and just running away. And just, there is so much heart to it. And. They are kind of Fos's mentor a little bit, because they are the one who is always like, what about Cinnabar? And they they are the one who brings up one of the things about Fos is the more body parts that Fos loses, the more memories that Fos will lose. Their memories are tied to their bodies. And the way that Shelly uh, gets this across is really fantastic. It is one of those things like, we can sit here and talk about it, but you need to go like actually watch the dub to understand why Shelly's roulette is really good. Like, if I had to recommend anything, just watch the for Fos's performance and roulette alone. Not to say that everybody else is bad, those two are just my two personal favorites. Um, but I dug the shit out of it, and I would 100% watch a show that is just roulette and paparacha, like, bickering at each other like an old married couple. I would watch that show. A hundred percent. Just fuck already. I don't know. With what? They're rocks. They'll figure it out. <laughs> Rue likes a doctor. They can figure it out. <laughs> Speaking of just fuck already, Diamond and Bort. <laughs> <laughs> They're just... Diamond is a nice, sweet gem who is one of the hardest gems, but she breaks easily. She is sweet. She is soft. Bort has a stick up their ass. A mile <laughs> wide. They they hard, they strong, they the fighter. They are also just bad with people. Also, Bort apparently sleep murders. Sounds about right. Don't worry, I've got a sheet. <laughs> we can fix this. <laughs> That's one of my other favorite things. It's a great... Antark and uh, Fos. A sheet, really? Yes, it works. Watch. <laughs> they just put the sheet over Bort and, like, burrito them. And then they do it to Sensei. Which is great. So, Just in case. Hey, man. You never know when the guy's just gonna smack his head into the wall. He's got a hard head. He, he, he dents that wall that one time. He also has a hard voice. Yeah. He does. <laughs> And you never know when the urge to Bohemian Rhapsody headbang is going to come and get you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone just needs to, like, do a compilation of that man, like, looping head- his head into a wall of the Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, so, playing Diamond is Savannah Manzel, and playing Bort is Genevieve Simmons. Savannah Manzel, you will know as characters such as Ayumi Yamogu in Girls and Panzer, Kotaku Hanayagai uh, in Ruby Starlight, and Yui Tada in Tada Never Falls in Love. Genevieve Simmons, you'll know his characters such as uh, Kanata Futaki in Little Busters, Eri Yurasis in Number 6, and Ryu Lion in Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon. So, Zen, if you'd like to start us off talking about uh, Get Just Fuck Already, the characters. <laughs> I I really like both of these performances. Uh, I think Bort uh, really gets across this uh, kind of a tomboy attitude, like, I'm better than you. Uh, but, you know, when they have the uh, 
down-to-earth parts when they talk to Diamond, you really get the idea that there's a vulnerability behind the performance. Um, and Diamond just sounds so sweet. I love her. I love her. Right, Amon? Yeah, I'd like these are these are also two performances I liked a lot. Um, I enjoyed Savannah as Diamond. I I thought there was a fun like in story and in casting irony to like you know Diamond. We all know what diamonds are. That's a really hard precious gemstone. You can put it in drills. You use it to cut things. The only thing that you can use to shape diamonds are other diamonds. Uh, and then having the the irony of like Diamond as a character is like not not the not the toughest. And also, like, giving them this, like, very, like, soft, gentle voice. And having them be somebody who is not, like, like, Bort, who I think is more more the kind of personnel you expect from somebody called Diamond. See also, like, Steven Universe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, for, for a for a very on-point comparison for what that, that gemstone suggests as a character. Um, and instead it's like, like they're very, they're very kind and gentle and they want to be friends with people and Foss is struggling. Her, her instinct is to help Foss because, you know, they want to, they're, they're good. They're, they're good people who want to do good to other people. Um, and I thought, I thought Savannah did, um, sort of capture that irony well. Uh, and Genevieve, Genevieve is fun as Bort because Bort is just so... What an angry little bastard. <laughs> just just gonna just gonna nope, gonna nope, gonna fuck shit up. Gonna be mad about it. Just gonna be just gonna be surly and pissed off all the time, because that's I'm gonna kick your ass with my hair and then I'm gonna berate you for not being strong enough. Basically. Bitches. <laughs> just and, and Genevieve's clearly having a lot of fun playing that gun, playing boards. Um just I don't know how to articulate it. Just it's a really it's it's one of the it's one of the performances that feels like oh yeah that's exactly how that character would sound and behave like uh, like it, it's almost hard to talk about it as acting because it feels if not natural it just feels so appropriate to what's going on like for this character and in the story uh, it is it is it is it is rough and tumble and uh, very very good just like Port yeah. <laughs> right, let's start with Bort. Uh, <laughs> like I said, Bort's got to stick up their ass a mile wide. Um, they are they are tough. They are the tough cookie who is like who I feel they think everybody else really sucks at this job. I mean, comparison to Bort, everyone else does suck really suck job. at this job. God, you imbeciles! But no, I I love Genevieve as Bort. Bort. They get, of course, Bort's anger and gruffness without 100% turning their voice into a low, rumbling growl. Like, they don't always talk like... That's a bad voice. They don't always talk like they're gritting their teeth. They talk like they're mad and they have a stick up their butt. But they don't talk like they're constantly, like, gritting their teeth and saying their words through it. Um, and I do think that Genevieve also really does excel when... Bort is trying to be vulnerable because there is there is a real the really standout Diamond and Bort episode is episode the episode called Shiro. I believe it's that episode. Where the giant dog Lunarian is running through and Bort's gotta watch Diamond from the outside fight it by themselves. And even though Diamond's legs have been cut off, their eyes get shaved off their face, and it is like the most metal shit you'll see ever. 
Bort has, like, this really quiet, like, kind of scared voice about Diamond. About Diamond being hurt, and were they a bad partner? Were they kind of, like, did they let Diamond go to the wayside because in their own pursuit of power? And I think Genevieve gets it across really well. So, yeah, remember when I said there was one performance that I thought was really good and I couldn't get into it for the life of me? It's mm-hmm. Diamond. <laughs> I... There were just... I don't know what it was. I just... I could not get into this performance. I... I have watched a couple of other shows with Savannah in it. I really have. Um, she just... I don't know. There were times where I felt like Diamond was a little too childish. There were times where she was more adult. There were times where it was a little too stiff. For me, it was an inconsistent performance across the entire show that I do think there were points that she excelled in, like the part where her eyes get cut off when they're fighting the dog. I think she really nails that scene. But there's also a part uh, in the first the first time you see Diamond where they're explaining how Bort, were, Bort and their bodies were where it is very clearly like a big kind of sci- actual real world science um, explanation of how a Bort and a Diamond works that came off as very stiff and kind of stilted at points. Diamond, they are the one character that took me the longest to get into as a performance. I don't think Savannah did a bad job. Not at all. It's just a performance that I'm a little bit more ambivalent to. It's, I could take it or leave it like, they're good, it's just, I wasn't super impressed by them. <laughs> and I feel bad, because okay. they were they are a good actress, and I have, uh, in the shows that I have watched, she has been a one of the weaker performance performers in there. I know um, Karaku wasn't my favorite performance in Review Starlight, and Yui Tata was by far, like, and as somebody who really loves the Tata dub, Yui was by far the weakest performance in that show for me. So this is like, it's like, and this to me was like one of the biggest characters that I've seen her play yet. So it was like, okay. It's like, you're you're good. You're not as good as maybe like some of the other people in there. And that's that's not like a huge knock against you. It's just I would like to see if I watch another show where she's a character of this much prominence, a little bit more improvement. Hmm. So. Wow, we are getting through this, like, super fast. (laughs) It's it's good, because people are always like, your episodes are too long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, take that, guy. Take that, haters. Yeah. Haters gonna hate, what you gonna do? I can't use that to transition into this, so let's talk about... The biggest mysteries in the show. That being Sensei Kongo and Cinnabar. Sensei is this big, mysterious, bald man that takes care of all of the gems and teaches them about the world. And he is very humanoid. He doesn't look like the Lunarians, who, by the way, are like some of the coolest design things you'll ever see in an anime ever. Uh, Mm -hmm. With one of the most bitchin' themes ever made. Um... He is very human, he falls asleep, he can shoot magic rock things, he can slam his head into a wall, and he's probably got some connection to the Lunarians that everybody doesn't know about, but they also kind of know about, but they won't say anything. And he also gives everybody on the the island jobs. Cinnabar is a gem who's even weaker than Fos but has a toxin that runs through their body, which I believe is mercury? 
Yes, because as I looked up, uh, cinnabar is a form of mercury sulfide, which is uh, mercury and sulfur. Ah. So yes. That is toxic to the other gems and the life on the island. Therefore, they live out in a cliff on the sea and do the night watch, the only job that they can do without hurting anybody. Fos vows in their life to find a job better than the night watch for Cinnabar. Playing Sensei Kongo is Brian Mathis, and playing Cinnabar is Avery Smithheart. Well, Brian Mathis is an actor who has done a lot. This is the only role that I've seen him do at Sentai proper. So, and I usually try to, when I when I host episodes and I'm talking about actors that go back and forth between different companies, I do try to stay with uh, shows that they have done for that particular company. However, people would know Brian Mathis as Elias in The Ancient Magus Bride, Juzo Okita in Space Battleship Yamato 2199, and Bacchus in Rage of Bahamut Genesis. Avery Smithheart, you'll know as characters such as uh, Goe Ishikawa in Release the Spice, Alexandra Marguerite in Tata Never Falls in Love, and Rika Seo in Suriname. So Zen, if you don't mind starting us off. Honestly, I think this was perfect casting for both of them. Like, I love, love, love the Ancient Magus Bride, and this is a very similar role for Sensei, so I think it was just perfect casting. I think he really gets across both the emotion that he feels as a Sensei, while still trying to be in charge. He does show a lot more, I, I think even more than the sub, in my opinion, because he gets across uh, a little bit more complexity. Um, it's a similar type voice, but I just, I really like what he did with the character. And, oh god, Cinnabar was perfect. Cinnabar, in my eyes, was one of the top voice characters, simply because it's a character that has so much to get across. And it's, it's one of those that, if you do it wrong, it's not gonna go very well. But, you know, the scene that I really fell in love with his performance was when... Simon was talking to Cinnabar about trying to bring Fos back from the slug form because they thought Fos was a slug, and the entire time you could see Cinnabar was was really fighting with her own emotions, and the performance really sold it. I, I love both of these. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement. These are both like two really strong roles. Um, Brian's really good as Sensei. He's, you know, obviously Brian is good at playing characters who are like, you know, the nice, deep, authoritative voice. He plays, he plays, uh, Ains, he plays Ains. He plays the captain in Star Blazers. Uh, he he has, you know, he can definitely bring that to the role. Um, but I like that he doesn't. He is his character isn't just limited to that. There is a he's a character who kind of swaps between being boss of all these gems and dad, and I think he handles that very well. Of uh, he can be like. A little more like stern and like this is what you need to do, but also much more like uh, like kind and sympathetic and gentle. Um, yeah, I think I think particularly like in the episode, uh, the end of the episode where um, after Antarcticite shatters, the way he is like uh, trying to help Foss process this and move forward and not just you know wallow in grief for the rest of the season. Um, uh, he, he, he just he's very he's very he's just got a very strong presence about him. Uh, which also helps when you start realizing that there are a lot of questions about Sensei that don't make sense. Like, why are you here, human? Why are you several hundred years old? What is your deal? Why does this dog know you? That's what I want to know. Why is the dog knowing? <laughs> why do you shatter things with a voice? 
Yeah, what's what? What are you? Um, so I, like, I, so yeah, like I think Brian's performance is really strong, and I, I will I will second. I think Avery is really great as Cinnabar. I think, I think she does a good job of displaying Cinnabar's angst without having it go into like kind of you know, you know, stereotypical kind of like whiny teenagery mode. There's like there there is a sense of legitimate tragedy behind what Cinnabar is going through and her frustration at her uh their lot in life and just how they feel they need to like live in order to do what they're supposed to do but not be you know a literal danger to everyone they know um i thought she just she i think that's like that i think that's you know I, i feel like with characters like this it's very it can be very easy to fall too much into kind of the the you know tragic side where it sounds like you know someone complaining a lot and I thought Avery avoided that incredibly well. I thought the I thought that was just a very strong performance for this character who like her Cinnabar and Foss are kind of the two characters who I I am most excited for a season two for. Like there there's at the end of that episode, last episode there's this is the story that I want to see the most. Uh to the point where like I might start picking up the manga just because I don't know if there's gonna be a season two on the horizon anytime soon. Um, but like I, I really enjoyed Cinemar's character, and I thought Avery was a huge part of that. Uh, just a really excellent top tier performance. You know, Brian being Sensei Kongo. I remember when the trailer uh, announcing this dub had come out on uh, for Sentai, and I saw this name, and I was like, "Excuse me." <laughs> I was like, "You're not, you're not John Swayze or David Wald. What the fuck?" You're not. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? No, go back to your home. Uh, no, it's it's really weird because like I really heard a lot of Elias in this performance, but I was originally thinking I'm like I don't know how much I resonate with this because Elias is a very different character from Sensei. There's a lot more. There's a lot more going on with Elias that's more open than than with Sensei. But I think Brian does a really fantastic job of getting Sensei across. His sensei is the biggest, the biggest mystery in this series. Like, you learn very little about him, and when you do learn things about him, it's very much brushed up as don't think about it. And, like, not like don't think about it as in, like, the show is trying to purposely, like, the show is just doing it to be like, it's, it's not like the fucking Stand Arrow and JoJo's, where it's like, don't think about it. (laughs) Or Midichlorians. It's, it's... It, it's it's uh, it's don't think about it because it's a mystery, not don't think about it because it'll make your brain hurt. It's don't <laughs> think about it like folks shouldn't think about it because, like Paparazzi says, sometimes uh, a- asking these questions opens up greater wounds. Just like, don't think about it. Shut up and shut up and do your job, folks. So, I think to me, one of my favorite kind of deliveries he has is. When he's with Shiro, the giant lunarian dog, he's like, Shiro, where's your pu- where's your hand? And Fos's like, excuse me, bitch, what? I heard that. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. Shut up, Fos. Um, I I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, by the end of the show, I was like completely on board with him. Especially because I, I really do want a season two of this to see what the hell is up with fucking Sensei. And then, oh, Avery is- this is probably my favorite Avery Smith heart role that I've heard so far out of Avery. Um, she is just so perfect as Cinnabar. She is 
alone, vulnerable, and yet trying to hide it all from people, and so smart, and just... It's so beautiful to listen to, like... I could listen to Avery as Cinnabar, like, read a geology textbook and not be bored. Um, <laughs> it, it's just such a wonderful, wonderful performance. Um, it is really hard to put into words, because talking... Cinnabar is this character you don't see a ton of, and yet they held so much influence and power over uh, the core-driving narrative of Land of the Lustrous. Uh, they are they are the sole motivating factor for why Faust uh, starts their journey, honestly. Like, yeah, you could say that Sensei giving Faust the, the, the encyclopedia is, but eventually that even turns into, I want to find Cinnabar a new way to live, because Cinnabar is so alone and stuff. And I really like Cinnabar's banter off of Diamond and the way their tone matches off against uh, Savannah's Diamond, where... They are both the same age as each other. And yet, you can tell that based on their life experiences, it's really shaped them as as beings. And Diamond is a lot more carefree and light compared to Cinnabar's excruciating pain and loneliness. And I think that's such a hard thing. Extreme pain and loneliness is a very hard thing to get across in any language without sounding really whiny and really emo. Um, so hats off to Avery for her brilliant performance as Cinnabar. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> um, so now that we've gotten everybody else out of the way, let's talk about the rock in the room. The, the main character, the, the actual disaster child that is Phosphilite. The weakest gem, the gem that starts out who can't even, like, if you look at Fos funny, they would break. Yep. And turns into what ha- what, which I can only describe as the metaphor as I've re-rolled my D&D character. <laughs> um. Yeah, Fos goes through a lot. Fos loses their legs, Fos loses their arms, Fos loses their, their friend, Fos gets PTSD. Um. Fos knows there's a bunch of things that happen that they don't Her? remember anymore. Yeah, Fos can talk to slugs. Um. <laughs> Poor Fos, like she goes through the ringer through this entire season. I feel so bad for her. She can't catch a break. Yeah, Fos goes through more in twelve episodes than like some shonen characters go through in an entire show. Mm. Like. Fos goes through some shit. Fos has seen some shit. So, playing Fosfili is Sarah Wiedenhaf. Sarah Wiedenhaf at uh, at Sentai Filmworks has played Teresa Wagner and Tata Never Falls in Love, but you would also know her as characters such as Yoria Misaki in Space Battleship Yamato 2199 and Charmy Papinson in Black Clover. So, Zen, if you would like to start us off talking about Fos. You know... This is just perfect casting. This is... Her as Faust is... I I don't really have the proper words to say it because Faust is a character that's very hard to play. Throughout the entire 12 episodes, she has to go from this bubbly, carefree, happy-go-lucky person 
into someone who is cold and uh, somewhat unfeeling and, and forgets a lot of things. It's This is a very hard thing to play, but she does it perfect. Just just perfect. Uh, Amon? Yeah, no, this this is this is wow, this is great. Uh, <laughs> as like as we as we stated, Fos goes through a lot in this show. Um, Fos Fos gets to take that idea of like you know sometimes move forward, you have to forget part of your past, and then literalizes it in the most horrifying way possible. Um, and I Sarah just does a great job with this character, both in matching the arc they have to go through while making it feel like the same person. Like, I, I, I feel, like, I, I, I feel, even that nice scene in the last episode where, like, uh, Fos is walking through the castle and, like, sees her younger, or the younger self, like, looking at themselves in the pond. And I feel like you can, you can, you can see both, like, the evolution that character has gone through, but also, like, they are still the same they're the same being. They have that same, like, kind of wants and needs to them. Tying back to the fact that, like, one of the things they want to do at the end is make good on that promise to, like, try and find Cinnabar a better thing to do. Even if what they have to offer, like, isn't really that much better. It's at least something. And I thought Sarah did a good job of maintaining that core personality, even, even though Foes goes through so much and gets just so much more, like jaded and worldly as the shows go on and, and they have to like just deal with more stuff both like internally and externally and yeah it's 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 just a really well done performance it's this is a like the show the show is carried by you know the show is obviously carried by Fos because Fos is the main character but I think Sarah is completely has been completely up to the task of carrying that in her performance uh, she is great. Um, I get like this is this is one of the things where like if we get a season two, I I want that to happen because I want to hear Sarah do more of this. She is so good as this character, and I cannot sing the praises of it highly enough. Uh, I would I would agree with what you said earlier, Megan. I think like Fos is unquestionably Sarah's performance as Fos is one of the reasons to watch this dub, if nothing else. Agreed. Okay, so I. It's so weird because when I was, before I had mentioned, like, I had mentioned to some people uh, that I was going to be watching the dub of the show, and uh, a good friend of mine on another server said, this is Sarah Wiedenheft's best performance ever. I don't know if I can say that. I think it is one of her strongest performances ever. Um, I think Sarah Wiedenheft has just, as an actress, been constantly knocking it out of the park for, like, three to four years now like she is a phenomenal actress and this is i want to say by far her most complex character that she's had to play mm. like like look i get it guys sarah we didn't have said a lot of things that are really big like black clover <laughs> like okay pappy pappy doesn't have a lot of character poppy doesn't have a lot of character development she's just a lot of fun but she's in a lot of things like, like dragon maid like grimguard she's in a lot of bigger shows this is, to me, however, the most I've seen her range tested. Because while she had Fos from episode 1 to episode 12 has a similar tone of voice, there are different- there are so many minute things that Sarah does as an actress 
for this character that shows these changes. Like, even foes from episode 1 to... I believe they lose their legs in episode 4 or 5. Mm-hmm. That sounds right, um, yeah. Even Fos, like, at the... When Fos watches up on the shore with Cinnabar without their legs, it just the way that Sarah portrays, like, hey, Cinnabar, guess I lost my legs. Like, even that is... And their worldview is vastly different from, um... The first that we see in episode one. Sarah by far gives, I think, the best performance in the whole show. And that is because Sarah also gets the most to work with in the entire show. Fos has a the lion's share of the dialogue and the lion's share of the development, and Sarah takes that and runs with it without also bringing it over the top. And when Fos changes, and you can't say for the better, uh, which is a big theme of this mm. show. <laughs> when Fos changes, Fos doesn't, and and Fos is going through trauma. Like Fos can't sleep at night anymore. Fos uh, has these apocalyptic, like strikingly apocalyptic visions of Antarctica, like mm-hmm. outright horror shit of Antarctica. Um, like. One of one of my kind of favorite, like it's it's dark, a dark comedy kind of moment, where um, Bort has just kind of confronted uh, Fos about uh, joining her, joining them in battle, and Fos is like leaning back and sees Cinnabar, and goes, "Yeah, I know courage. I've got to have courage. But what has courage ever gotten to me? All right, jellyfish, which one of you thinks that I should go uh, go and join Bort? And two of them jump out. Well, 50-50 is one. And just, like, that jaded tone without sounding, like, cartoonishly cynical is something that a lot of actors I don't think have mastered. And Sarah just portrays it. And I think Sarah really embodied the spirit that is Phosphalite in their incredibly intense journey over 12 episodes. Um... A lot of people are probably, like, super on the fence about this because I think in terms of the anime community, and by anime community, I mean, like, not the subsections that are, like, into dubs. A lot of people think that the Japanese version of Fos is the definitive take on the character. And I would disagree. I think Sarah does, while Sarah's take may not be 100% the exact same as Fos's Seiyu, Sarah's take on it is an amazing adaptation of what the character is as well through a different eye. Mm. <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> so I guess uh, if we're already, if we want to move into our final thoughts on the dub as a whole, uh, Zen, if you want to start us off. Um, overall, I really do enjoy this dub. I don't think it's one of my top. But when it is standout, it has some really great performances. What really hurts it is that, you know, there's only 12 episodes and a lot of these characters are only around for a short amount of time. And I feel we really need more of them to get a definitive idea of how I feel. Um, But the, you know, when we get to like stuff like Sensei and Cinnabar, 
Rutile and Fos. It's fantastic. So, yeah, I, I do really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amon. Yeah, this was a really, really strong dub. I think this might this this might be at least like my, a pretty good contender for like my at least of the of the dubs from Sentai I've heard like as of late. This is a pretty strong contender for like maybe being the best. Uh, although I have I've not seen everything they've put out lately. Obviously, um, this is just it's really strong all around. I think as as we've mentioned, like a lot of the leads give out excellent performances that I think really match and support the material. Uh, I think it's like it's really well directed. It's really well written. Uh, I just think it's 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 super great. If I have complaints, a lot of it is like I I, I would like a season two because I think they're obviously like this 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 ends in a good place for this being an incomplete story when it was made. Uh, but I you know I would like a season two. I'd like to see more of these characters. I think that uh, the you know these are performances I'd like to hear again. Um, and aside from that, and like I said, like the, the biggest complaint I can maybe give is like as as common with a lot of shows with a big ensemble, there are a lot of performances that are like very good without necessarily standing out. And I think like if that's the biggest complaint I can come up with for a dub, like that's a pretty good dub. Not gonna mm-hmm. lie, yeah, like I was I was really happy with this. It is very good. Well, not personally, one of the dubs I find to be like super strong from Sunset Filmworks, nor the director. Uh, this is a really solid dub. This is. Probably a B plus A minus for me um, in terms of Sentai dubs. I do think in the last couple of months, because I've watched series, I've watched dubs for series such as Love Stage, Made in Abyss, um, Tata. Uh, those are to me a little bit stronger. As uh, Bloom Into You is another one that I forgot to say that I think is really fantastic. Bloom Into You is perfection. Yep. You guys are watching. Bloom Into You's dub is really good. David Wald does really good dubs. You should also watch Love Stage, because that's a really fucking good show. Um, I think this is, does a really good job. This keeps, like Zenith said earlier in the episode, uh, keeps the spirit of why Land of the Lustrous is so well regarded. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite shows aesthetically and sound design-wise. Um, there is very few things that look and feel like Land of the Lustrous. And I genuinely think that the dub brings that experience over in a way that is accessible. Uh, it does, it did It did do one thing that I liked, which is it did make the story a little bit more clear for me. Going back through the series, I did feel like I understand understood the show a bit more. Um, I would 100% recommend this dub for people... I don't know if the show itself would make my best of the year award. While there are, for the dubbies, there, while there are performances in here that I could see making their way on for underrated, um, for underrated or to, like, uh, newbies to watch, potentially a best actress in there, I do think this is, uh, just a little bit shy of sticking a perfect landing for me, but it does do a really, really great job with what it's going for so uh any other final thoughts from people it's very good <laughs> watch it <laughs> also yeah, season that. two when season two when please when, when season two when season two of this and blooming to you please Just give me or or orange have to or orange have to be finished um, making everyone into a furry in a couple in a couple Yeehaw! in the fall it's gonna, it's, gonna, it's gonna be like Black Sad first got published in English. It's like, oh no, these 
these animals are attractive. Well, if Mamoru Hosoda didn't... I did didn't... not know this about myself. Well, if Mamoru Hosoda <laughs> didn't do his job, Studio Orange will finish it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Every time Amon and Roots tell me that story, I fucking lose it. Um... <laughs> So, with that being said, if you would like to watch Land of the Lustrous, you can watch it via Amazon Prime in sub, or you can watch it on High Dive in both sub and dub format, and I believe they also have the Spanish language version of this dub. Unfortunately, none of us, at least I don't speak Spanish, so we didn't talk about that. Um, you can also purchase <laughs> both the uh, regular edition release, which also does include the Spanish dub on it, as well as the Japanese and the English, or if you can find it, I believe they are still in stock, uh, if you can get a hold of it, Land of the Lustrous has a bitchin' steelbook. Mm-hmm. It is very nice, and it's like thir- it's like 40 bucks on Amazon right now. So, please grab it if you can. You will not be disappointed. Um, so, we have time. Please, uh, tell everybody who you are and where they can find you. Um, hey everybody, I'm Zenith Warrior Princess, and, uh, I I have been kind of in a limbo state for the past six months because of surgery and fires and food poisoning and all this other stuff. But when I get back to work, which is hopefully not going to be soon, uh, you can find me at Twitter at twitter.com slash zenithwillrule or I uh, uh, do stuff on Twitch, twitch.tv slash zenithwillrule. And on my YouTube at Zenith Will Review. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Amonduel US. Uh, Duel has two U's in it. I talk about uh, movies and music, and comic books, and things like that. And occasionally I'll complain about some old video game that came out like eight months ago, but I only just got around to playing now. Uh, I also have a dusty old song if you like, but I can save that for later. Do it. Sure. Alright, so, initially I wanted to find a song about rocks. There aren't a lot of songs about rocks. I found one They Might Be Giant song that isn't really about rocks, and that's about it. Uh, so instead I just went for something that this kind of reminded me of, I guess. Uh, so I'm going to recommend to you, uh, you should go uh, listen to the song Nightmare Girl by Amy Mann, which is uh, possibly the greatest song ever made. And somehow it was only like a B-side and a bonus track on the deluxe edition of the album it came out on. I really don't understand why. It's like, it's literally perfect. And you should all go listen to it. Right now. Pause this podcast and go listen to it. You can find it on YouTube, Spotify, wherever. Do it. Because I'm telling you to. Alright, cool. So my name is Megan. You can follow me. Sorry, I didn't mean to call off like a callous. <laughs> I'm an asshole. <laughs> I see how it is. I love you and your dusty old songs. <laughs> When can when can when can we hang out again so you can just live tweet like dramatic read voice actors eating chicken again? I mean a fest, I guess. Yay! Ah, so you can follow me on Twitter at QueenEra2. I shit post, I do things, I hang out on the Funimation Discord, and yeah, that's all I do for about now. Uh, so that's it. We're done. We're free. Everybody can go play with the rocks. I would like to play with the rocks. Yes, be gay, do rock crimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Pride Month. That is an appropriate idea. Yes. Good night, everybody. Be gay. Good night, Mary. Good night, everybody, and otaku on, and be gay. <laughs>